Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Scout here, your host. I am starting this episode off with an apology. Uh, It is Tuesday, and last night, Monday night, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I said, fuck me, I didn't record an episode of Scout Podcast, um, knowing that today, or back then, tomorrow, was Tuesday, and that just last week, I promised that I would have an episode up every Tuesday and Thursday at 3 a.m. PST, 6 a.m. EST, Um, so damn it. That's okay, though, because this will still be published on Tuesday, just a little bit later, so I apologize. Um, I will get better with that. I just have to kind of make the shift, um, knowing that this podcast was at once spontaneous, and uh, I only recorded when I felt specific inspiration, and now I'm trying to be a little bit more consistent with it. So just bear with me. Um, Consistency actually is one of my strong suits. Um, this podcast is just more of a personal project. So sometimes uh, it's the last thing on my to-do list, even though that's not how I want it to be. So I'm happy that I made it here, still publishing it on a Tuesday, so I didn't totally fuck up my uh, commitment to myself and to you. I just had a little bit of a workout. I did a 20-minute Melissa Woodhouth Pilates session which is actually my favorite thing to do in like the mid-afternoon around 3.30, 3 to 3.30-ish. It really kind of recirculates my body, reinvigorates me, takes me away from my emails and gets my body moving, gets my energy pumping so that I can go back to work for the last hour, hour and a half um, and just kind of end the day with a bang and feeling inspired. So I have been doing just really quick 20-minute Melissa Woodhouse Pilates sessions um, towards the like mid-end of the day before the evening. So I just did that. So I am feeling slightly out of breath, but also slightly energized. Um, it's amazing what a midday workout can do to you, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about something that I think, or at least I have not heard most people talk about because I think that it could potentially be triggering or it could be taken the wrong way. And that is that depression is addicting. When I was in the depths of my depressive episodes, um, specifically I'm talking about very early 20s, 
when I was so depressed and um, suffering from my bipolar disorder that I couldn't attend college, I couldn't hold an internship or a job, I was what they call or what I call unfunctioning. Um, I was so deep into it that I didn't know how to get out of it. However, there was a very large part of me that I can now admit to myself that didn't want to get out of it. In many ways, depression felt like home. It was the way my brain worked. It was the way I saw life every single day. That drowning feeling, that quicksand feeling, that that veil of despair and catastrophe and anxiety and hypomania and psychosis and psychiatric appointments and therapy appointments. All of that was the norm. And I remember I was just turned 21 and I was at my mom's house in the backyard of her beautiful Spanish style home in Los Angeles. And we were sitting around the fire pit and I was crying and I said to her, you guys keep telling me to go towards this balanced, happy, normal life. And that's my goal. But I don't know what that even looks like or feels like. And so I'm just swimming, not knowing which direction to go into. And that was so true on so many levels. It was very difficult for me to see the end goal because I had never experienced it. And there wasn't like a straight line there. You know, healing, of course, is not linear. It's cyclical. But people wanted me to get, let's say, quote unquote, to be happy, which in itself is not something to aspire to be, but we'll use it here for lack of a better term real quick. Um, And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that felt like. So I was doing all these things to get better, but I didn't know where I was going. And in a way that was super true. And in a way it was also me wanting to sit in my depression. And now let's, before I go any further, let's be super, super clear my depression and my mental illness and what I was feeling is a result of my brain chemistry. I have an illness. I have a disorder, whatever you want to call it. The problem or the point that I'm trying to make is that I took no emotional responsibility over that card that I was dealt. So yes, I had no choice in the way that I was feeling, but I did have a choice in the way I reacted to it, in the way I treated it, and in the way I saw it in the perspective I saw it in. And so if you're feeling depressed or anxious and are suffering from a mental illness, yes, these things potentially are not circumstantial and they are brain chemistry and and um, a mental illness. But the point that I want to fine tune here is that there is you have a choice in how you deal with it. So this is that part, the choice and how I dealt with it is what I really want to break down here. So I realized the ways I was addicted to depression. And here is looking in hindsight. And I knew it at the time, I think. It was hard for me to admit it, but I did know it to a certain extent. I was addicted to depression because I got attention if I was depressed. My friends and family would take my calls. They would stop what they were doing and come over if I wasn't feeling better. 
I was excused from things if I wasn't feeling good. People checked in on me. They dropped food off. They left work. They did all these sorts of things for me and came to my aid constantly. And so my depression trained me to know that if I'm not feeling well, I get A, taken care of, and B, a lot of attention from those I love, albeit the attention was um, worry and was causing them a lot of harm. It was still attention. I didn't need to take responsibility over my life, so I didn't need to show up and get a job and figure out my major and graduate college and start to plan my life. I could avoid responsibility altogether because I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle life. So in that way, sitting in my depression was a way for me to avoid the responsibility of adulthood. I also didn't need to go, if I stayed in my depression, that meant I didn't need to go through the pain of healing. And the pain of being depressed was a pain that I was used to. I knew it. It was home. It was comfortable. I understood it. But The pain of healing and getting out of my comfort zone and out of my harmful routines or lack thereof and examining where I can develop emotional strength is painful. Healing is painful and it's a different type of pain than being depressed. It's confronting and illuminating and putting a flashlight into areas of yourself in your life that you potentially don't really want to look at. You don't want to resolve in order to move forward. So I was not, I was staying in pain A, which was depression, to not experience pain B, which was the chaotic fumbling of healing. So In that, I was receiving attention, I didn't have to take responsibility over my life, and I didn't have to understand and learn a new landscape of the emotional spectrum, which is the pain of healing and of navigating life. So my depression allowed me to hide. It allowed me to stay in my the second bedroom of my mom's house and cry till 2 p.m. if I wanted and get all my meals delivered and all these people calling me and psychiatrists worried about me and and all of these things. And I so desperately did want to get out of that. I wanted to make something of myself. But for a very long time, I was highly addicted to the depression. And then I kind of realized what I was doing to myself when I, you know, my husband is almost 10 years sober. And so I was being introduced at that time to the sober community. And I thought about what I would tell a dear friend of mine who was addicted to drugs and alcohol who didn't want to get sober because the withdrawals and the healing process was going to be so difficult and painful, I would tell them to do it anyways. I would beg them to do it because I know that once they walked through that fire, the fire of withdrawals and healing, that they would come out on the other end so insanely strong and happy and fulfilled and grounded. And so I was a hypocrite. How could I look someone in the face who I loved and tell them to go through rehab, to get sober, to go through that pain, to be better when I wasn't doing that for myself? So I always think about what I would tell somebody else. And once I kind of you know, created that metaphor or that similarity between getting sober and healing from a mental illness, which are two very different beasts. I'm just oversimplifying a process here. 
I was able to see where I was doubting and keeping myself small. And yeah, the healing hurt a lot. Um, as you guys know, I, I am to a point on the other end of that. I am able to navigate and understand and live with my depression in a beautiful, beautiful way. And it does not stop me from living my life and it does not consume me and it does not limit me or prohibit me from achieving the dreams and things that I want to achieve in this world. But that's because I decided to say no to the comfort, to the attention, to the addiction of staying in that space. And I decided to say yes to a different type of pain, having faith that walking down the healing path would bring me to a better place that once I arrived there, which I arrive to it constantly because it's ever evolving and growing, that I would be grateful that I took those steps. And I can confidently say that I'm so fucking grateful that I took those steps because being on the other end of your healing is a beautiful, insanely enriching moment. But I just, I want to put this idea in your head. In what ways are you addicted to your depression? In what ways are you addicted to the toxic patterns of your life? In what way are you addicted to the negative thought patterns? In what way are you addicted to your comfort zone? And if you can honestly and truly look in the mirror and ask yourself that question and identify the areas that you are addicted or stuck in, then you can release its power over you and understand what's happening. It's your body trying to keep you safe, right? But in keeping you safe, it's not letting you grow. And in not letting you grow, it's not letting you heal. And in not letting you heal, it's not allowing you to reach your potential. I was on the phone with this girl. Someone DM'd me on Instagram and said that their friend was really suffering from depression and anxiety. And I said, let me get on the phone with her. And I did. And one of the first questions I asked her, I said, I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to bluntly tell me the truth. I won't tell anyone what you say, but I want you to tell me the truth. Are you addicted to your depression? And she stopped and thought about it for a second. And she said, yeah, yeah, I am. And it's okay. It's part of the process. Letting go of negative thought patterns or dwelling or, you know, letting go of what no longer serves us or at least walking down the path to learn how to handle those things is the most rewarding. And it starts with realizing that you're keeping yourself stuck, that no, you don't have the choice to feel that emotion, but you do have the choice in what you do about it. And you have the choice about what your relationship is going to be with that emotion or experience. And so my experience and relationship with depression is that it comes and tells me when something is out of alignment and I listen to it because it is a deep, wise teacher. It is my deep, wise teacher. It is my compass. But first, I had to admit, I was addicted to my depression. Again, I got all the attention I wanted. I didn't have to take responsibility over my life and navigate the realities of what it means to be a human on planet, this planet. 
and I didn't have to walk through the pain of my healing. And I'm so fucking grateful that I did all of those three things. That I didn't demand attention from those around me, but I demanded attention for myself. That I took radical emotional responsibility for my life and the way I deal with my emotions. Understanding that I'm the only one that can heal myself. And I walked through the pain of healing because I knew and I had faith that on the other end, things were deliciously sweet. And I can say on the other end that they are. So keep holding on. Be empowered to walk through the pain of your healing and take responsibility over your emotional state and how you react to it. I love you all. I'm so happy I hopped on the mic today. As always, uh, if you liked this episode, DM me at Scout Sobel. I want to have a conversation with you if you feel like you are addicted to your depression. And if you want to talk that out, I am here over DM and all of the good things. So I hope you have a beautiful day and I will see you on Thursday.